0: Greyhound Leader Trap One, over. Trap One, we Leader, over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm James. And I'm Simon. Welcome
1: back, gentlemen. This time we'll be talking current affairs as we delve into Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Hopefully it will spark some lively debate. Oh. Uh- Uh, so you both enjoy this one?
2: Yes, very much so. Um, I think after last week was quite mixed, um, but this week, I felt very much on solid ground. Um, you I, the historicals, particularly sort of more recent historicals have all been uh, better, better stories. Um, and I certainly felt that that way this week. I
0: certainly thought that we were back on solid ground this week and it was it was much more measured and it was it felt like real not I'm not saying that previous episodes haven't felt like Doctor Who, but this felt like um a solid Doctor Who fair, if you see what I mean, this week.
1: Yeah, it was a much more traditional. Well, I guess a traditional new series. Um and that sounds a bit of a contradiction, but uh, <laughs> the new series have been back for <laughs> 15 years now, hasn't it? So uh, keep, keep calling it new to differentiate it. Um, but yeah, it's quite a traditional, I guess, celebrity historical um, in that sense. Um, I um, I thought it was a little bit ironic uh, for a story about giant scorpion monsters not to have any kind of sting in the tail. I was, uh, it sort of played out quite quite how you um, expected it to. But the I think with the historicals, there's um, a lot of kind of rich detail in them, isn't there? And, Especially somebody like Tesla. Um, I don't think we know that much about him in this country. Uh, this it's quite interesting to learn a bit, and it, it sort of um, inspires you to learn a little bit more, I think, and, and do a bit of background reading.
2: I, I have to say that's that's been the thing with the, the certainly with Rosa as well last year, in the, uh, in the last season. It makes you go and find out more about them. There's a, there's a great moment where Graham's trying to think of things that Tesla's done and, and he's like, oh, doc, you, te- you, you tell him. And <laughs> and I have to say, after, as soon as that I'd watched the show, I had to Google him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you find out that actually he did invent a death ray. He did have a pattern on a death ray. And some of the sort of things that the doctor was saying that he, he had invented as, the, as they were going around the lab, a lot of those were actually true. Um But never actually got in, you know. Never really took off during during his lifetime. Never reached the the potential. So I think you're absolutely right. He's he's a name that people have heard of, but probably didn't know exactly what he was
0: famous for. And it's great that um, the series
3: is. Whereas before, it would have um, it was things like uh, people like Queen
0: Victoria and William Shakespeare doing the celebrity historicals. And now it's coming, it's getting out of this country Mm. into, uh, with people like Tesla and Rosa Parks as well. So it's kind of taking the broader view. Um, And I recently watched um, The Crusades or What's Left of The Crusades on the Lost in Time DVD box set. Mm -hmm. And that was, and you know, that's a very early, um, if not the earliest, Uh, celebrity historical so now they're going back out of the UK uh, rather than the people who we've all heard of like even kids will have heard of to people you might not have heard of but were very real in their time
1: yeah it feels like Doctor Who when it first started although they weren't the the celebrity celebrity historicals until um, the Crusades it was much more international wasn't it when you think about the Aztecs and Marco Polo um, Mm -hmm. it it was only over time it sort of narrowed down to um, to be much more UK history centric
0: mm. yeah uh, absolutely of course Marco Polo Aztecs even earlier that will okay. save anybody writing it yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah Marco but, Polo is a celebrity historical I realised as I was saying that <laughs> losing the name isn't it yeah. <laughs> Um, I thought it was a a good kind of sympathetic character as well. Um, You almost almost a point of view character for us. The way you've got a nice long opening scene with him, Um, you you feel for him. I think when uh, when he can't get the investments, you do sort of think, what does he need to do? You know, you just I'm I'm powering an entire city with this with this dam. Um, He's got all this cool stuff, and then like, no, we're not going to invest in you.
0: It, it was, it, it seemed like a very real portrayal. That's that's just life, isn't it? Sometimes mm. you just do all that you can do and it's still not enough, and you're just like, well, what else can I do? And it just it, it did seem very sympathetic, but also very comprehensive in that mm. it took its time to establish his character as well. Um, and uh, the actor Goran Vishnik, um, I apologize if I'm. Uh, Vish- if i mangling names, but yeah, the the actor was he is absolutely superb, and um, mm. of course
2: he was named for ER back in the day.
3: Oh yes. Um, ah right,
1: I never watched that. Um,
2: uh, Doctor Luke uh, Kavak I believe his name was in the old day. He replaced George Clooney. Right, well,
1: the there you go. In ER. Oh, well, Clooney's oh, never been in Doctor Who, has he? So that's. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh, they are probably
0: dressing him up as a monster just to, yeah. just to hide it <laughs> all
2: <laughs> <Just> to, <laughs> you'll find out he's one of the Jadoon next week he's yeah. <laughs> like, doing coffee adverts now so who knows yeah, um, <laughs>
1: so maybe for like Star Wars where they keep getting these these big names to play stormtroopers don't they, they had like, um, was it Prince William and Daniel Craig and all these people uh, yeah. in the last few movies
0: yeah Daniel Craig was the one
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I actually read that um, he was actually Tesla was a hero, or a, really sort of admired by uh, Goran because they're, they're from the same country, and so he's very, very well known. Um, and, and I thought that his portrayal of the character, like you say, was was with with some love and attention. Yes. Um, uh, and it, it's interesting. You look at Glenister's. Um, um, Edison, uh, very different characters. Mm. Yeah, um, but I, I thought you're right. He, he got the attention straight from the off. Um, it's his
1: his I Tardis thought, reaction shot that you get as well, isn't it? He, um, although Edison's already been in the Tardis. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's Tesla who you get the proper you see his face as he goes through the doors and then um, you know he sort of pans around and you get the big wide shots so it really felt like they were going for a point of view for him yeah. I did like the writing this this week
3: and that's and I, I think all of, uh, a lot of that and the writing and the direction
0: I think a lot of those moments have come from a mixture of both they were very deft you know, they, they, it wasn't all these lovely little moments weren't showy at all. They were just weaved into into the story. You know, it, there was no big, oh, this, we're doing this now and we're doing that now. Yeah. It just felt very organic. And I, I just thought it was absolutely lovely. For example, there was a moment between the Doctor and Tesla and they were discussing the thrill of inventing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just thought, and I was watching it I was thinking, is that the first time I've seen um, Jodie's doctor not be breathless running around? Is that the first time? I, I, I was, you know, I was questioning, has she done this before? Where she's actually stopped and had a lovely conversation and,
3: yes. you know, and,
0: and like that enthusiasm and and, and finding um, a, a common, common thread between her and someone else. And I just thought... It's lovely because it feels like
2: it's all settling down a bit now. There's there's several moments like that. There's the one where the, quite early on, where he's talking about how he came to America and he thought that he would make a name for himself, but he still felt out of place. Mm. And she finishes the sentence for him. She sort of like says, "Yeah, you, you don't you don't feel recognised. You don't feel that you belong." And then the other moment that stood out for me is when they're both standing outside the TARDIS. She just walks up to him and stands silently next to him. And then, yeah. then they have a conversation then. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I felt, particularly this week, and in fact, through all the ones in this season so far, Jody has Jodie's doctor has calmed down. Uh, we're starting to see... More depth to her. Um, I, I still want, I still, you know, I, I, um, I fed this back regarding last week's episode where she was doing the little speech at the end about, uh, you know, Earth and the possible future of Earth. And I, and I really wanted to see the raw emotion about Gallifrey being destroyed. And you, you just didn't quite get it. You just got her saying, this could be a possible future. And then again in this episode, you had the, um, the moment where um, the, the, the Queen turned around and said, "You know, have you ever seen the Dead Planet?" And then you saw it—that flash of, "Yes, I have." You know, it's, mm. um, it is. And I, and I personally, I think it's building up to later on in the season, and the new trailer looks a lot darker. The one where she's standing on the top of a lighthouse, um, talking about time swirling around her. And I, and I feel that that's what we're getting this season. Last season, she was like a Labrador puppy. And everything yeah. was, you know, shiny and happy. And, you know, you were right. She, she's quite breathless. She's There's a lot of ex- explaining that she does. But it's almost been like through, through the eyes of a child, you know, enthusiastic about everything. Whereas this season, you're seeing slight variances in that, um, which I like and I'm enjoying
0: yeah I completely agree um, I think um, that was exemplified through her idea of history and humanity versus ours um, mm. and I think in this episode Yaz was very much the identification figure right at the very end of the episode and um, and the doctor says oh well you know he dies penniless he's never recognised in his lifetime and Yaz says and, and Yaz to Yaz, it's the um, it, it's the recognition which is the important thing. But to the doctor, it's having the idea in the first place and having the inspiration in the first place, which is the important thing. So you got that kind of wonderful mismatch of the doctor is actually an alien. So we'll look at um, different things to us, like we see success, you know, like kind of likes on Twitter or likes on Instagram or. Or being on telly, or being on on the radio, or something like that, has been success. But to, to the doctor, it's having the idea in the first place, which is the most amazing thing. And it's like nice mismatch that yeah, she is an alien, she looks like us, but she isn't isn't us. Yeah.
1: And looking at things over a much longer scale as a time lord as well, um, you know, knowing yeah. that things like like fame would be quite fleeting, I suppose that uh, you know. Someone who's famous now is going to be, you know, forget forgotten in, you know, a couple of hundred years, which the a, a handful of heartbeats to a time lord.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly is.
1: When you think of Robert Glenister as, as Edison. I I felt like um, he was a little bit maybe um, Trump like. I don't know if that was a deliberate <laughs> thing, um, but when he's uh, when he's holding forth in the street when you first meet him, um, I just kind of saw Trump at a rally. Uh, and yeah, you sort of uh, telling people, oh, alternating current is the most dangerous force in the world, um, and you can just, you know, just, just kind of come to stuff <clears> with <throat> it, which he probably knows is untrue, <laughs> um, and and uh, yeah, the, I just felt a little bit of his performance maybe was coming from that, and then and then as it goes on, and you find a bit about how he sort of treats his workers, and uh, you know, kind of uh, does people out of deals. I thought, I wonder if they were going for just a little, um, a little nod to that.
0: They keep bashing yeah. us over the head this uh, this this last couple of seasons with the Trump analogies, don't they? Because <laughs> after that bloke in arachnids in the UK, and well, now
2: don't, they, well. don't think he was quite as bad as, as that. He wasn't quite as Trumpian
3: as, mm. as uh, <laughs> arachnids <laughs> yes. in the UK, but um, I know what you mean. There's,
0: there's there's a Trumpesque element to it. I think uh, Robert Glenister is such a good actor, and but it was kind of Uh, better handled this time around because they paired him up with Graham who really didn't like him
2: (laughs) Yes, that's an interesting thing because he's he was quite sparky with him um throughout most of the episode when they had scenes together he was trying to either get one up on him or putting him down you know you compared him to one of his you know a a former boss or a former colleague that was taking advantage of people um yeah, there was there was quite a bit of quite a bit of like backbiting going on between them, and it led to the best
0: line I think of recent Doctor Who. And I'm going to take a deep breath. Dapper Doo gets dressed up for the opera, ends up digging a ditch.
2: Yeah, mm. <laughs> uh, I like that line, but my favourite line of this one was the uh, Slylorian laser blast. <laughs> 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 Which I just oh, thought was brilliant. Uh oh. he, he certainly does get these brilliant one liners where um, he just they're very fleeting but they're very memorable.
0: And how brilliant is Bradley Walsh because he utterly sells the most ridiculous lines and I swear they give it to him on on purpose because it's just like the writers must have a field day thinking, yeah, Bradley Walsh will be able to sell this one.
2: And he does every time. And there there was a brilliant, uh, there was another one where he was talking with Ryan and he says, oh, don't worry, it's not our first rodeo. And Ryan goes... We've never (laughs) been to a radio. (laughs)
3: You're
2: not helping, Ryan.
0: (laughs) How brilliant is their relationship together?
2: They're such a good double axe. They are. uh, And and I'm appreciating that more. Um, During the first series, there was that that, that tension between them until he sort of called them grandad. And there was a sort of um yeah there was a bit of a barrier between them there was a hesitancy whereas now you see them a lot more comfortable with each other and sparring off each other mm-hmm. and, um in the last episode you know there was, a, there was a there was a there was a line from Graham about you know you'll be definitely worrying about where you are and what you're doing there's a real genuine affection mm. there um But I kind of wanted to sort of ask you two about this, about the darker tones for the rest of the season. And I wonder whether that, again, that building of relationships and again between Yaz and Ryan is going to lead to something quite dramatic happening, something quite bad. I don't know what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, there's been suggestion, isn't there, that, that Yaz has got a big storyline over or an arc over this series. Um, and I know I think we were talking last week, and uh, a few people seen on Twitter got a theory that she was changed in some way uh, when she was um, in the uh, the alien realm. Uh, mm. after she was sort of zapped away in in Spyfall, and I think somebody else pointed out that when you see the trailer for the rest of the series, she doesn't seem to be in any of the ones uh, past the next one. It- Oh. But certainly not in any of the clips that we see anyway So uh, yeah, it's, um, it's it's interesting
2: Yeah, I've seen a the theory that she might become a companion of the Master
1: Yeah, that'd be great
2: Wow but I, that, was... that,
0: that happened in the New Adventures but, um, if, uh I'm, I think it was the New Adventures Somebody became a companion of the Monk In the um, new, but... Big Finish, yeah Oh, was it big finish? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I'm mixing it all up. Um, but um, but I'd love to see it on the screen <laughs> because
2: Cause in the in the new trailer, there's that moment where I think Ryan says, "This is our lives now," but they're they're quite. I, I feel that there's there's a, there's a something there. There's some sort of you know foreboding of you know maybe one of them. Might leave, or what you know, something's going to happen that's going to change that dynamic of the team. Well, I did write down when I was watching it that
0: Yaz seems more independent than the others, in yeah. that, um, the doctor, like, uh, Graham and Ryan are really close, obviously, because of their relationship, but the doctor and Graham and Ryan, like, the doctor seems to gravitate more towards them, and Yaz kind of seems. Not on her own, but not as... she. She's definitely got that sense of independence. And mm. I'll tell you, when, when it sprung to mind was when she was talking to Tesla, and I don't know why that sprung to mind. It was like she... I think it was like she was almost being the Doctor in that scene. And I can really see her character growing to not really needing the Doctor as much as the two lads would.
2: But there was a... There was a uh a powerful Doctor moment when she beamed aboard the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when she just, she just peered. And, and I, I felt that was very Doctor-like, you know. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the two characters are just about to be killed by the Queen. And then she just strolls in and goes, oh, by the way, I'm the Doctor. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of, it almost reminded me of Tennant of the sort of like, mm. you know, I'm talking to my friends. Could you just, you know, bust out for a moment and then I'll come back to you? Because there was that sort of moment where she turned to Yaz and says, is everything okay? And she said, well, now that you're here, yes. Mm. Um, and then she sort of turns around and she starts talking to the Queen. And, uh, and I, I liked that moment. There was, a, there was a little bit of music as well. There was a sort of a more dramatic music as, as the Doctor just strolls in. Uh, and, I, and I liked that moment. And I thought, again, you're seeing different sort of shades of, of Jodie's Doctor, you're seeing a little bit more yeah. forceful, um, a little bit more powerful than, than I've seen previously.
0: And the great thing is, is about that scene, I noted that scene, and that she's starting to appear in doorways the way that other Doctors do. You yeah. know, when there's a scene between two characters and then it suddenly cuts to the Doctor in the doorway and you hadn't realised that the Doctor had been there and you, and you wonder how long have they been there like um it reminded me of the scene in the unquiet dead where um the maid and Rose are talking and then the doctor says something and he's standing in the doorway and I remember thinking yeah. oh he's he's in the room you know mm. <laughs> and and she and she kind of and, and that was kind of an echo of that I, I I really liked that and again it's more shades of um it's it's more shade, shades of like uh, of her doctor as well, and yeah. you know, and like some, and also her expression and quite a lot. It seems darker now, having um, from the revelation at the end of of uh, Skyfall. Like it's it's almost like um, her first season. She was being sketched in, and now and now we're seeing the proper rounder character, which is really gratifying to see because yeah. Jodie Whisker is such a good
2: actor. Mm. And she's not been, I still don't think she's been pushed to the limit with that. And I Mm. I was watching, this is a shameless plug for someone else, I do apologise. I was watching The Walk to Work with Whittaker um, the other day, and uh, I know there was a comment made about, you know, felt that Jodie's performance wasn't quite what they wanted it to be, and I was actually, well, actually it's not the actress, I think it was, they've not pushed her enough yet, they've not said to her, go for it, full throttle. Um, And that's why I'm hoping that later on, as the season seems to be getting darker, we will see that. Um, And it's it's really weird, I know it's a bit odd, but I was thinking about Sylvester McCoy and his portrayal of the Doctor, and if you look at the very early Sylvester McCoys, the, the Simon the Rani, he spends the whole time getting a whole load of sayings wrong, which he never does again after that. It's kind of just his, his regeneration thing. He spends most of um, his time on the sort of ice planet, slipping over on imaginary ice, hmm. when no other character's doing it. And you watch it and you're like, oh my god, that's really odd. But then you get to see him do like the speech where he's in Happiness Patrol, where he's talking to the two um, snipers. Yeah. And, and in that instant, that's like, wow, that doctor is is you know has got another level. He's got you know is an alien, is powerful. And I and I am just waiting for that moment. Yes. Yeah. Object- that that speech or that flip where she b is the all-powerful time
0: lord. It's it's like finding the gravitas underneath the clown, if you mm. see what I mean. Yeah. It's you, you get the way the, you get the doctorishness uh, um in the beginning like the the erratic um uh post regeneration trauma and then you get the zipping about and you know oh aliens firing at us run down this corridor and then gradually you, I, I think, I think all doctors have had it, or most doctors have had it at some point, where you know, like there's that still moment, and they're sure they're in the steel, and you think, yeah, well, yeah that's
2: that's them, that's that's the doctor. But if you if you if you go back to Tenant, Tenant was in his first episode. You know the bit where he yeah. defeats the S- Sycorax mm. and then he throws the Satsuma at the door. And you just see for that flash, he says, oh, you know, no second warnings, I'm that kind of a person. That's his dark moment, if you say. And there is one for almost all the doctors, it's that first moment you go, oh, actually, he or she is not this cuddly, nice, safe, you know, time lord. There's, there's, there's another layer there.
3: Yeah, as like...
0: a kid, I absolutely loved that. Um, in um, when when he started to get darker in um, in season twenty six, and I was about ten or eleven, and and I just loved how he was, and I saw how he was manipulating Ace, and I absolutely loved that as a kid because they, all the other characters on TV uh, aimed at my my age were kind of like nice and happy and you know, and and really goody goody. And here was this guy who was clearly on the side of good, but not necessarily the way he did it. And it just, you know, and it was and I think it's kind of in that it it might be for kids, but it doesn't talk down to you. Yeah. Yet. And I think that's the difference.
1: I feel like with Jodie, we have almost had that with sort of James the First in the Witchfinders episode. Yeah. Um, and when with the master in Spyfall, but but I think you say like not quite pushed all the way there yet. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it'd be
2: There's interesting to see how goes. Yeah. Hmm. Uh,
0: what did you think of the uh, Scythra? Scythra.
2: Oh, now I I've, I've seen quite a few comments about this, um, and I and I think the episode could have just been so different. If the doctor had said, you know, that they are a distant relative of um, the um, oh, I can't remember the name. The of The Ragnos. Yeah. You know, as because uh, um, they've done that before, where they where they uh, had uh, in Love and Monsters, where they where they did that sort of uh, play on, you know, are you the same sort of right, um, yeah. the Sladean and. And they, they've done it a couple of times where there's been a similarity between aliens, and they've gone, oh, it's because they're on a neighbouring planet or something. Mm. Uh, I, I thought they were effective. I like, I loved the Queen, uh, and a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't realise it was the girl from uh, Sarah Jane, uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, uh, and I knew it was her, but I just thought she was having the time of her life. Yeah, <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> It's just like, oh, I'm getting to play a baddie and I'm going to be really, you know... <laughs> being on the other side of that so many times in uh, the Sarah so Jane adventure, she was like, right, I am going for it. Um, so I, I I, liked that. I thought if they'd done a huge, great, big Arachnos-type costume, I, I think it would have been even more open to people going, oh, it's a ripoff off of uh, Arachnos.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I quite liked the fact that there was this... Um, you know the the scorpion tail sort of came up behind her and 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 zapped her. I I thought they were good good enough, but I would say that a lot of the episode focused more on the characters and yeah. the, you know, what was going on between Tesla and Edison and and I, and I think the the villains of the day were kind of a bit marginalised. They weren't necessarily
0: Big mm. They were a monster of the week, weren't they? I liked her teeth. Yes, yeah. they were very good. Yeah, very good bit of of uh, makeup and design. Yeah, it's like the, the design can't fault it. It's um, there it, it wasn't only the um reminiscent of the Ragnos, but my first thought when they'd been to board the uh, spaceship was the crawls from the Android invasion. I don't know why it was just like kind of it looked a bit black, drapey and, and a bit mm. jagged and a bit kind of semi organic, and it mm. just reminded me of the Android invasion. But that could just be me. <laughs> I mean,
3: yeah.
2: the doors the doors been left open really for them to, to reappear because they're not destroyed at the end. They're you know they just mm. they just sort of disappear. Um, yeah. I quite like it, it was. I was trying not not to go down this road, but it was a little bit Borg-like in the fact that they were assimilating other technologies and, you know, the whole ship was, was basically a, a, a junkyard of all different bits of alien technology. So, so there it, it was that element to it as well, but I don't think that was really explored because we had the whole Tesla um, part of the story. There wasn't really much development of, of the alien creatures,
0: yeah, that they were very monster of the week weren't they yeah it was
1: a cool idea having that sort of scavenger race like that but what I felt like the way that it t- they tied into the story the doctor gives that speech about how they'll be forgotten because they haven't invented any of their own stuff and they've they've mm-hmm. just stolen other people's technology um, which is like Edison isn't it it's the suggestion that Edison um, you yeah. know, kind of uh, you know stands on the shoulders of other people and uh, uses their ideas, but he is remembered. Um, whereas um, you know, it's Tesla that um, it, you know in this in this sort of version anyway has all the uh, the ideas, but is, is forgotten or not forgotten, but is is not as well known, um, especially in the UK um, as, as Edison is. So I felt like that was a little bit sort of um, you know where they where they could have represented on the two sides. It was a little bit of a sort of uh, didn't quite chime with maybe what they were going for.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought the um, I thought with regards to Tesla and with regards to Edison and um, again this harks back to the Edison as Trump light um, uh, The I think it was quite clever the way they linked him with the first idea for Wi Fi. Mm, um, yeah. So audiences would get it, and it's just like, oh, he came up with Wi Fi years before, and now you know, like every. Like Pete, and it just kind of gives you that modern hook in the way that um, in the Girl in the Fireplace, um, there were, uh, the doctor was explaining to Rose like the the various vagaries of, of the of the uh, French Court at the time, and she latches on to uh, as being Camilla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought that was quite, you know, that was quite deft, and, and I think that's perhaps why they went down for, for Edison being kind of a bit of a bit of the all American showman and capitalist, whereas Tesla was um, more uh, a great thinker. I'm sure if, you know, if uh, Tesla was around today, then some some multinational or other would have snapped him up in two seconds flat. But you know we're all bound to the times that we are born in, aren't we? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm.
2: It's, it, 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 it's quite, because I was, I, like I say, I, I went and Googled him afterwards, um, and sympathy, some of the, some of the inventions, so the death ray they talk about, they talk about uh, wireless power transfer and um, wireless, basically, and, um, vacuum cleaners mm. torpedoes um, there's Tesla's Egg of Columbus which has uh, caught my eye um, Egg of
3: Columbus?
2: yeah <laughs> uh, which was um, rotate um, principles of rotating magnetic field but he, 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 there's such a sort of a wide uh, sort of deep history of all the different things he did
0: which a lot of people
3: just don't know. Yeah, it's like Da Vinci,
1: like, isn't it? I suppose um, the way you know Da Vinci was—he was inventing submarines and helicopters, as well as uh, <laughs> you know, kind of works of art and everything else.
0: Um, can we talk about how gorgeous the TARDIS looks this week?
2: Oh, in mm. blue, the blue. Oh, one. oh yes, that's on my list. Yep, I, I. I'm um, loving the TARDIS interior more. and I don't think it's just because they put some steps in, because I know that... Uh, <laughs> they featured every week, I think, so far. Um, they're really using those steps, aren't
3: they? <laughs> they're like, we, we paid out for that set prop, and we're going to use it every We week. want every step used.
1: <laughs> it's nice <laughs> they've got that area, because you get that scene um, with Ryan and... I can't remember the character's name, but... The, Dorothy Skerritt. Yeah. yeah the, the, they just take a few minutes out and it's and, and just sort of compare their experiences um, <laughs> of, of being around, like, these super geniuses and, and kind of just getting, uh, you know, caught up in their kind of crazy world and their wake. Uh, so it was a nice little moment, and it's nice that they've got somewhere, I guess, a little kind of breakout area on the TARDIS for stuff like that. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's nice to see more of the console as well, because in the first series... Um, they made all this time uh, spent all this time and effort making um, like the the console and everything is a, a lovely set but we didn't actually get to see a lot of it in the first series I thought mm-hmm. and but this time it's like I want I want the camera to linger on I know it's kind of like a fanboy thing yeah. but I want to have you know have a proper good look at this console um, And this this week we we got to see a bit more of it so I was a happy boy
2: yeah that, that that scene when all the lights turn blue, I just thought that I, I that it's almost like one of those colour changing light bulbs, you know. You get the remote control, board. yeah. Magic should go in and just go. Well, we're going to have purple this week, or but I I just mm-hmm. thought it was a re- really nice. I preferred the blue uh, colour, I have to say.
0: Yeah, uh, I wonder if there's a sort of a, an in-universe rhyme and reason as to why it goes yellow or blue or. Um, you know, is it according to the Doctor's mood, or is it according to
2: where the TARDIS is, or power, or I don't know. Yeah, were doing so. They were they, they were powering up the shields outside, weren't they? So I mm. think that that was why it turned blue. But we have seen colour variations um, within it, like you're saying. So I don't know whether it's mood related or
1: yeah, because it was blue <laughs> after after the Doctor visited Gallifrey. And yep. found it destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so that it was kind of a mood thing, wasn't it? it, was, that, it was that suggestion? But
0: Galifrey mood
2: lighting, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have a question for you both. Okay. Pre-title sequence. What are your thoughts? Because there hasn't been one since I think the well the first the the spyfall. There wasn't one last week. and There wasn't one this week. Do you miss it or not
1: I miss it I, I really like them I, I love to get a little a little cliffhanger um right right from the off um it sort of, sort of kind of hooks you in a bit I think and then and then you've got the titles um, just to see how it plays out um obviously we never had them for the first 26 years really but um I haven't had them for so long now I, I do quite miss them
0: I miss them as well I thought that the scene the bit where the doctor finally appears. I mean, it is quite a long time before she appears. And she says something and she's got that lamp on her head. And I thought, there, that's where the title sequence should be. Mm, You know, where where she says, who's shooting at you or something like that? And that's where the title sequence should be. And then it should cut to them being on the train and... And if you, you, I swear that that will be that will be a good break in the action to, to put title sequence. I really miss them. It's but uh, I can see where they're coming from. Probably in kind of taking it back to the classic thing where you're going into the time vortex. This is the adventure, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on missing it as well.
2: Yeah, because I, I thought the same last week that once Graham had put the cube together and they all teleported. I thought that would be a perfect moment for a pre, you know, pre-title sequence. They're getting rid of the big squid thing. Suddenly they're transported, and I thought the moment that they left the TARDIS, that would have been a great point for the titles. And then suddenly they're in, you know, at the holiday resort. And yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. I've seen a few people comment on it. Uh, I do miss it. I, I think there is sometimes those little bits at the beginning. Um, you may not find out how they relate to the story until later on, but I always think they're a really useful way of getting a bit of the story out before you get into it.
1: I thought um, that, like before. that, with series eleven, that each episode did seem to have. Maybe it's just because we're, uh, we're kind of conditioned to expect it a little bit. Um, mm. All of series eleven just seemed to have a natural point um, where you could put the drop the the title sequence in. So you wonder if they didn't make the decision until a little bit later on. Like maybe even at the editing stage as to whether they're going to put one in or not.
2: Mm, it could well be.
0: Um, yeah, yeah oh, go on. Having said that, I absolutely love the title sequence. The title sequence is yes. absolutely fantastic and you can draw uh, an artistic stroke, thematic line straight from 1963 to this one. Mm. Um, we Even without the titles, I bet, I bet people watching then would be able to recognise that as, as the same sort of pro as the same program yeah. um, through that title sequence. So I just think it's it's utterly lovely. The music too I am really enjoying. Um, I think second, second Akinola is absolutely he is a fantastic composer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's he, and as much as Love Murray Gold it he, is an absolute joy to hear to to watch shot Who hearing some uh, kind of an, a different musical palette, mm. um, yeah, it it just um, but it's it's not, I don't find it obtrusive, uh, intrusive, um, but I, I think it complements the action really quite nicely.
2: Yeah, I thought the the sort of Scythra theme there was mm. a, a, there was a you know uh, a, a definite theme for them when they appeared and they, when they were on the ship. Uh, I thought that actually sounded really alien and I, and I, and I really liked that. Um, and I thought it complemented the story and it, and it set the tone for, for some of the scenes. So yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have another question. Okay. Why didn't the doctor wipe their minds like she did in Spyfall?
1: I had that question as well. I did. Yeah. I, I wondered about that because, um, I think Noah Iniat Khan, um, mm. again somebody else kind of read up a little bit about afterwards. Um, sort of died quite shortly after the the events that we see in World War Two. Whereas um, mm. Tesla lives to eighty seven. Yeah, uh, so he's going to have a, a kind of a much bigger effect on his life, and given that also he's you know a scientific genius who is uh, <laughs> trying to change the world. Um, so, I mean, I guess the probably the in-universe answer is, you know, the Doctor can sort of see the timelines and see where, uh, you know, where her presence and, and actions would, would have a greater effect. But it did seem sort of two episodes on with, you know, meeting real historical figures quite quite strange uh, that she did it once and not, not the other
3: time.
2: Yeah, because I, um, I spoke to Simon um, when we were preparing for this and I, I went back to Spyfall, part two, to, to watch it again just so I could get it into my head you know was there a reason why she wiped their memory and she did sort of say uh, you know I don't, you're gonna have all these uh, you know things that happen to you anyway so um I'm get you know I'm gonna take this this memory out of your head and then I just mm. thought well why didn't you do that with tits? um yeah. could it be could it be that the she only
0: wipes the minds of the people who haven't done their big thing yet. Ah. Because arguably Tesla has already come up with all of it. he's already made Walden Cliff, he's already made the death rate, the egg thing, um, the uh, current thing, and, and so on. So, and mm. she says at the end, you know, like his stuff never comes to fruition. That's quite dark, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you'll never amount to anything. I'm not going to bother wiping your <laughs> mind. Um, <laughs> He's <laughs> just like, nah, you're all right, mate. That's fine. Um, but the other two, like um, uh, um, the the historical figures in Skyfall, um, arguably they haven't come up with their things yet. So that could be a reason.
2: Mm. Yeah, I wasn't – because oh, I, I did wonder whether there was a link. Um, you know how – the, the, the race of aliens were stalking people across earth in different time zones mm. and, I, and I wondered whether there was a there was a link to the Edison and Tesla but I don't I, it, there wasn't anything made obvious no. um, but it, I, I did just feel that 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 just seemed odd that she did it in that episode and she doesn't often do that you know the, the doctor doesn't often You know, whenever they met historical
1: figures, they never resorted to wiping their memory. I suppose the other difference is that those two characters were taken through time, weren't they? And maybe both potentially learned stuff about the future um, other than their own futures. uh, Because they brought both, well, um, the, uh, I've totally forgotten the name, Um, the one is helping Babbage. Is called uh, um, Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace, yeah. it, she's taken to two time periods because she's taken to the war and then to the modern day. Um, and uh, Noor Inyat Khan is brought to the modern day as well. So I suppose potentially they could have seen things while they were there that um,
3: they did
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's a good question, is that? I'd, I'd love to all other people's answers. Please comment below. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I did notice that um, it's the both the writer and the director were both female, which I think was absolutely brilliant. And more of that, please, because it was such a good episode and thoroughly enjoyable.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think only the third time in the history of Doctor Who, um, but I think there's more episodes in this series um, where you yeah. get that combination
0: as well, which is brilliant.
2: Yeah, as female director, writer, script editor, and producer. Amazing, absolutely amazing. I think that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I made a note of that. Um, and yeah, there is at least another episode where there's a female team uh, later on this season. And it's great that what is traditionally
0: harking way back in the day was all male dominated and like you had what Fiona Cumming and that was it Mm -hmm. (laughs) just about and then Rona um, Munro on the production side of things and now it's just completely being opened up so you're getting new perspectives on an old story I always think of Dot 2 with variations on the theme it's always going to be there's always there's only so many Dot 2 stories Um, I went to a talk given by oh and his name's just gone out of my head um one of the old producers and um and he uh, philip inchcliffe and he was saying that um there's only six doctor who stories and they just repeat mm-hmm. but it's the way you dress it up that makes people think that it's entirely different yeah um and so it'll be it's nice to see new variations on, on that theme from new perspectives um which, you know, can only freshen it up and can only um, make it last longer, hopefully. Mm,
2: definitely. I mean, we're, we're, we're four episodes in to the, mm-hmm. to the series. And I have to say, this, this series, I have watched each episode twice or more, which is different to the last one, where I watched it. I think I watched Rosa twice. And I think the which the Witch Hunter one I watched twice. All the rest I watched once when it went out on broadcast, and then I didn't watch it until I bought the DVD. There's something for me different this season that's making me want to watch it again to see if I've missed something, to see you know to, to pick up on connections. I don't know what it is, and I've really been wrapping my brains to try and quantify it and explain it, but. There, was something about um, the last sort of four, even last week's um, you know with, with where's Benny um, I, I went back to see where Benny was um, <laughs> something is compelling me to watch it and I don't know and I, and I know that you you spoke about this um, last time about all the different theories I just feel more involved and engaged this this season and I don't know what it is but it, something has clicked Um I don't know how, how you two feel about it.
1: I think the story arc um, coming back um, uh, for me has made me a little bit more engaged um, because you feel like you are looking for clues in a way. Um, I, think, I think we knew fairly early on that Series 11 was very standalone uh, with each episode, whereas this series, um, you know, the the, the the timeless child thing, um, well, I mentioned in the last series, seems to have come to the fore a little bit more. We know the Master's still out there. Something's going on with Gallifrey. Um, it, it feels like there's, there's things to look out for in terms of, uh, like we were talking about before, what's happening with the characters and their dynamic, and, and uh, the on- ongoing thing about Gallifrey, which is going to come back, because uh, even at like just the very beginning of Orphan 55, you could see the Doctor was still... Um well Madi, as as Yaz said, but yeah. um, obviously we know she's she's mourning. So yeah, I think I think the, the arc being back for me makes me a little bit more engaged.
0: And it just seems more polished. It just seems like um it's had each episode has had another couple of drafts done. Um uh I do a lot of writing in what I do because um um, get, oh, sort of my day job, um, but uh, I always follow Stephen King's model. You do two drafts, and then you do a polish, which is your third draft. And uh, I loved Jodie's first series, but this seems to have, seems to be more polished, more together, more thought through, and that has made me want that has made me want to go back and watch it. The last series, I didn't. I was surprised, surprised with myself because I didn't want to go back and watch it per se. I, I was pleased that I'd seen it and I loved it, but it didn't make me want to go back and watch it until my niece and nephew came over for Christmas and um, I totally scared them stupid with it. It was great. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, this series, it, it's actually made me want to come back and watch it because it's more thought through. There seems to be more nuance this time.
2: Mm. Yeah, like there's a threat we're not aware of, or or some you know something. Um, I I love the master twist in Spyfall, um, you know things like that. It, it's kind of like did I miss something, or is something about to happen? I, I don't know. It it, it feels more. Added uh, in. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is you know second season that you know they've. They're much more confident in their, you know, are, are more um, adventurous in, in what they're doing. I think we're seeing more who tropes
3: mm.
0: this this time around. Like, um, for example, with the master reveal, um, we can say that, can't we? It has been long enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but not only doing that. Doing it on an aeroplane. I mean, yeah. how wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, there's a few more recognisable Who tropes, but in a really nice, fun, modern way. And there the was kind of last season, but uh, last series, but not really, it, it wasn't really strong. Um, no, it's just, a, the, this just seems like an overall stronger production this year. Yeah,
3: even
1: the writers me. will now have seen the the characters in action as well, which I guess they would, you know the well, the have done when they were writing series eleven. Um, so that's got to kind of feed into their writing, I guess, as well. Uh, when you see how you know the, how the, each of the four principles uh, you know deliver lines and interact with each other.
2: Yeah, it's not I got from Spyfall and um, you know, it's sort of continued since since then there is a questioning element of the companions where they're like, actually, you know, we've been having fun and we've been having adventures, but what do we know about the Doctor and mm-hmm. how how dangerous is it really? Um, so, I, and again, I think you've seen different companions go through that, that sort of, you know, um, realisation at some point that, I think that you know, when, you, when you see Rose, when she suddenly realises that... Uh, when she meets Sarah Jane, for example, and she realises that at some point the Doctor's going to move on and leave her behind. Um, you know, uh, when Martha in gridlocked where she's like, I'm with this guy and I don't even know who he is. And I think there's an, a little bit, I've seen a little bit of that, which I wonder if that will unravel as we go through the rest of the, the episodes. I think perhaps it's taken longer for this group of companions because there's uh,
0: more of them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're the the one uh, companion, the one hitchhiker who's who's um, just kind of from the left with the doctor, then you're going to feel more alone. There's no one to talk to. But because it's kind of the fam atmosphere. You know, and there's, in you know, it's like they're they're probably not it's probably not going to dawn on them quite as quickly, which is probably why we're seeing it through halfway through the second series that they've been in. Um, I think I think you're right that there is something going on with Yaz, um, uh, but I think the one that's probably most loyal to the Doctor will be Graham. Mm.
3: Mm. Just a thought. <laughs>
1: As we're very lucky, our New York correspondent, Jason Miller's recorded a special segment on how the city is represented in this story.
4: Hi, this is Jason, your Trap 1 correspondent from Brooklyn, New York. I was born and raised here in the States, and nothing hurts my soul more than bad American accents on Doctor Who. While there is a lot to praise about Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, I'm going to let Mark and his panelists this week talk all about that. Instead, I want to talk about what this episode does to New York. The Tesla episode actually made a good effort showcasing my home state, taking us from Niagara Falls, to Tesla's NYC Lab, about which more in a minute, to Wardenclyffe, out in Suffolk County, Long Island, about 70 miles east of Manhattan. As is usual for Doctor Who, though, mistakes got made. Doctor Who in the classic series went to the USA three times in its first three seasons, Hollywood in the Daleks Master Plan, Arizona in the Gunfighters, and famously, the Empire State Building in the chase. Now this is what Doctor Who thinks of Brooklyn accents. This is the uh, tallest building, the tallest structure in the entire world. Now you'll note, when you come up in the elevator, it took you seven minutes. Well, this way down, you want to get down in a hurry, would take you 30 seconds. (laughs) And it's true. That is exactly what we New Yorkers sound like. Now, after 1966, Doctor Who pretty much stayed away from America. American accents occasionally popped up, badly. I'm looking at you, Bill Filer. And guess what? I'm also looking at you, crazy lady from Silver Nemesis. We ride to destiny. We surely do, honey.
3: We surely
2: do.
4: And in case you were wondering, that is what happens when you write your Doctor Who fan script in the late 1980s while hate watching Dynasty. Now the accents in the Tesla episode are variable. Goran Wiesnisch is fine as Tesla. I can't find a Wikipedia bio for Haley McGee, but she sounds about as American as the cast of The Commitments or the Lucky Charms Leprechaun. Salatine, sorry, that's Robert Glenister, does a decent American accent as Thomas Alva Edison. Although, do you people in the UK really say patent instead of patent? What's up with that? The geography is also variable. Best as I can figure out, the episode takes place in 1901, which is when J.P. Morgan cut off Tesla's funding for Wardenclyffe. The establishing shot of the Statue of Liberty then is the wrong color. Lady Liberty was copper-red, from 1886 when she opened, until about 1910, when she started to turn green, the process that finished in about 1920, when my grandfathers both came to New York Harbor in 1888 and 1903 respectively, she was still red. When the camera lovingly pans down on the Brooklyn side of the East River to show us Tesla's lab, Google tells me that Tesla's lab at this point would actually have been on East Houston Street in Manhattan. That's spelled Houston, but pronounced Houston, and it's also misspelled by the way. But you gotta trust me that Houston Street really is in Manhattan, because I work on West Houston. And I don't think that Tesla ever had a lab in Brooklyn anyway. Now, Wardenclyffe looks right from the building, which still stands, to the tower, which got torn down in 1917 for a scrap metal for the war effort. But there is a confusing bit which seems to show Yaz running around Brooklyn, trying to warn off the locals from a spaceship attack, and then crawling back to Wardenclyffe, 70 miles away through a secret tunnel. I gotta get me one of those. So, yeah. The accents were better than that guy. <clears throat> Sorry, that guy from the chase. And the Tesla-Edison feud was nicely done. But the rest of it was pretty weird, man. Like these angry mob accents in the New York City scene. There he is! You <laughs> have any idea what you doing! Shame on you! He's
3: dangerous! Go back to Mars! How many more people have to die before you admit
4: your machines aren't safe, I <laughs> Okay. What is up with that? Jason out.
3: It's,
2: it's, I must admit, the when they first, uh, they do that, that shot of the streets, I loved that. I thought it was really, um, beautifully done. The, the different um, locations that they went to. I mean, they started at Niagara Falls, and then they went, they went around uh, different um, different points in the in the um, in the city. And I just thought they were really well done.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful set, wasn't it? I absolutely yeah. loved that. Um,
1: yeah, I'm not sure whether uh, they filmed this one, but it, it looks really authentic, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I did think that the tunnel back to Wardenclyffe was a bit convenient though. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Jason oh, mentions look, there's that. Oh, a
1: secret tunnel. Let's yeah. go down here quick. Jason <laughs> mentions that in his report that it's about 70 miles. So it's, uh... Oh, my
0: word, really?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Jason also tried to visit the, the hotel that Tesla died in. Um, it's something you can go and visit. You can see the room, but um, unfortunately you couldn't get into the actual room because it's still a room you can actually uh, stay in as well. Um, but there's a couple really? of photos he took of the hotel and there's a, a plaque there, so I'll put those in the show notes. And he also recommends a book called The Invention of Everything Else by Samantha Hunt, which is the story of Tesla's last month while he was living there. Uh, so again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Oh, I,
0: I, do you know what? I'd love to read that. I'm, honestly, it's uh, what going back to what you were both saying earlier, it does... Kind of make it does make you want to find out more about the man himself, which can only be a good thing, really. Um, because education is part of Dr. Who's remiss, is it it not? So, absolutely, it's um, it's going back to its roots.
1: I think the only thing I knew is from the film The Illusionist, where uh, David Bowie plays him.
2: Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, I've not seen that, no,
1: yeah, it is The Illusionist, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's got um, Hugh Jackman in it. And Christian Bale. Yeah,
2: I've heard the film. I've not
1: no, seen them No, hang on. It. I might be conflating that with um, with the other the um, the Prestige there. So he's got you know, no. Hugh Jackman and Michael Kane That I, I think um, Christian Bale's The Prestige came out at a similar sort of time. Um, and I haven't seen either of them since they're on at cinema. It's quite a long time ago. But I'm sure The Illusionist is the one where they've got David Bowie as as Tesla, um, which was really uh, you know shamefully probably all I knew about him before that.
0: Can you imagine Michael Caine as as Edison in this episode?
1: Yeah, that would have been good. (laughs) Can he do an American accent? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? It's Michael Caine. That's
0: um, no disrespect to Robert Glenister, though. He's a fantastic actor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good good on him for coming back, because I've seen a couple of interviews where um, he sort of complains about having to sign um, Caves of Androzani. Photographs, (laughs) (laughs) and now we've got two to sign. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the thing it was good to see was the TARDIS toolbox. Um, You only get sort of fleeting glimpses. Yeah. I was dying to know if it if it matched up to the um, the old Doctor Who technical manual.
0: Absolutely, Um, I wrote that down, and I was just like, "Oh, TARDIS toolkit." (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> they recreated it for the TV movie, didn't they? Um, for the, those scenes where Sylvester McCoy is, um, he sort of opens yeah. the toolkit to seal the the casket. Yes, but I didn't know if it, um, if they used the same same sort of designs for this.
0: Uh, was it a Gladstone bag in in the TV movie? I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was yeah.
3: Like, and th- this this one, like, no, it was really fleeting, but I, I, it was
0: like kind of blackened black and metallic so it may it had um, put me in mind of the fifth doctor version mm. is nice. it Muldron Undead that thing I can't really remember
1: I think it is yeah. yeah
0: it's nice to see it's nice to see little bits like that kind of being uh, being resurrected but it wasn't the orange version from uh, The Visitation
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, do you think they'll um, they'll ever do another pure historical? There's another thing I was thinking about watching this. When you've got a really interesting story like the rivalry between Edison and Tesla, do you think there needs to be aliens in it?
2: Um, I don't. I don't know because uh, although the aliens were were like I say they were they were they were good they were okay. The story for me was about the two the two characters. Yeah. That was more interesting to me. I think they could have done a historical with just those two, but then how, I suppose it's how do you get them um, involved? You know, how, how do you ramp up the tension or the drama um, from, from what's, all, what's already there? Mm. Um, cause, cause the Rosa, the Rosa episode was really hard hitting. And again, I'm hard pushed to to think about the alien aspect of that episode because they were, you know, they were making sure that history remained on track. Um, the alien episode was really just the alien in the episode was just there to to put them through that motion.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I thought with Rosa they could almost have created something where the arrival of the TARDIS knocked history a little bit out of joint, and they had to to put it back in because um, yeah, the um, the bad guy in that is. Kind of the last thing you think about, really. Um, Not none of the sort of for me really memorable scenes um, feature him.
0: I think in um, I think in modern celebrity historicals, it's kind of the monster of the week is used just as that and as uh, almost like a MacGuffin in Hitchcockian terms, in order to, as you say, push you know like push forward the the celebrity of the historical and it's, you know, it's like, um, like you say with Rosa and, um, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's play, play second fiddle. I don't think having said that we will see a pure historical again, unless somebody can come up with a time and place and, um, enough intrigue and adventure in order to kind of do away with aliens full mm-hmm. stop it's not to say it, it will never happen because you, you can have kind of like quiet episodes like in Buffy you had um, when the mum died you had the the body episode mm-hmm. and it was majoritively just them in the house with the mum's corpse dealing with the fact that the mum had just died so um who knows but then I you know I want an all singing episode of Doctor who, so what can you say <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: that would be good they're doing uh, I don't know if you watch uh, Lucifer with Tom Ellis they're doing in their last season they're doing a singing episode. Oh, fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I know
1: It's surely only a matter of time, isn't
0: it? Yeah oh yes. if you've only
1: got six oh, yes. stories and you've got to dress them up <laughs> in other ways then uh, then that, that seems like a, a way you can disguise <laughs> one of the six uh, Hinchcliffe <laughs> stories. <laughs>
0: if not on TV then definitely on Big Finish
1: <laughs> have we? haven't had a Big Finish was it The the Pirates is that not a uh... is, it? is it I think so it's was a long that, time since it's I've it's heard sound it sounds like
0: a Gilbert and Sullivan thing
1: yeah it's a Colin Baker one isn't it I haven't heard it for a long time but I think it's um, it's kind of a musical
0: oh nice, nice. I'll have
2: to check that out then. That, that's right,
0: Bradley Walsh can sing. He's all right. Yeah, Bradley Walsh can do everything. He's absolutely brilliant. What a showman!
1: Yeah, he's 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 all over our screens at the moment, isn't he? he chases on every day. Then he's got um, this other series where he's traveling the world with his son. He's on Doctor Who every Sunday. Uh, is it the um, the Palladium? <coughs> Uh, he yeah, presents, he's, presents that or hosts it. Yeah, he's. Uh,
0: how hardworking is he, though? I mean, yeah. how wonderful is that? Um, you know, it's. Uh, he he's I wonder. I wonder if he feels like his career is peaking now. You know, it's just like it's. It's
1: definitely his time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, fairly. I'd say. I mean, you don't really, you don't really know anybody that doesn't like him either. He's he's quite a, quite universally popular. I'd say. I'm sure there are people that don't like him. Don't don't at me, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think,
2: I think he'd be a right laugh to hang around with and work with. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, you see him on the Chase. Um, I mean, usually at work, but I see the odd episode. He's, he's uh, yeah, he's very funny. His personality comes over, comes over on that, doesn't
0: it? He's yeah. he's kind. He's of, the kind of person that your grand likes. And yeah. that you like, and your kids like as well. So you know, it's the um, the um, casting directors of Doctor Who must have must have had an absolute brainwave. Can you imagine the day in, day in the office when they came up with that idea? Yeah,
1: because he'd worked with Ch- uh, Chibnall before, hadn't he, on Law and Order UK?
0: Oh, I love that series. I've only ever seen it late night, but he is so good in it.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Um, and speaking of Law and Order UK, that's had Peter Davison and Rhema and yeah,
2: um, it's quite a lot of new Who. I hate saying that. Um, <laughs> new, new, uh, more recent Doctor Who um, casting.
0: Yeah, um, it's, I don't know if you do this with with your families, but um, when you're watching TV with them and you're watching another programme that isn't Doctor Who, and you say, she was on Doctor Who. Yeah. He was on Doctor Who. And the answer is always,
2: yes, of course they were. Everybody's <laughs> been in Doctor Who. Is it either Doctor Who, The Bill, or Casualty? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> you're like, where have I seen that person before, Casualty? Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> Quick, IMDB. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's one of the most... One of the most used apps on my phone, that, yeah, because it just starts to bug you after a while, doesn't it, if you're watching somebody um, and you can't place them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, one thing we haven't talked about is um, I can't remember the actress's name, so I'm very sorry to her, but I thought Dorothy Skerritt, uh, Tesla's.
2: Hey, McGee, I've got her down here. Uh, hey. yeah. uh, Hayley McGee. Hayley McGee, I thought she was excellent.
0: I honestly thought she was absolutely brilliant all the way through it because a lot of her stuff was rea- reacting to this, reacting to that, mm-hmm. and I just and and I thought she really—it must be hard to sell a character through just reacting, but she she made the character her own, and there was this lovely little moment where Tesla comes back and is alive, and then they almost hook, but then the whole yeah. then the whole back, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I wondered and I did wonder if that was like kind of worked out during production you know it's just like kind of a will they won't they in the time that they're in and the positions that they're in that they can't quite say how they feel about each other I thought that was really rather sweet actually and she's like obviously is a big influence on him like at the beginning when the first guy dies and he starts talking about um, the uh, message from Mars in his um, in his presentation and she's like no Concentrate on your work. <laughs> there is. I,
2: I, I thought she was fantastic. There is that moment where they don't quite hug. Mm. In the background is the moment where Ryan and Yaz hug. Oh, really? If you watch it, they do this sort of awkward. Oh, you know, you're 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 safe. Uh, and then in the background, you hear Ryan say Yaz, and he runs over and gives her a hug. I mean, oh. laid out in the background to that that scene that you've just described. Um, I like the moment the TARDIS materializes in front of her. Yes, and yes. No sort of like screaming or any, and she just goes, "They've taken him." As soon as the doctor was, they've taken him, mm. and, I, and I, I, I love that moment because it. it uh, my my issue with last week's episode is the characters. You never really got to get to know them. or they weren't that, that well-rounded. And I just thought the characters this week were much more defined. And I think you're right. She did a lot of reacting. But she was quite a strong supporting um, character, even though she wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. you know, one of the main characters. She had some quite striking moments. And that was, for me, one of them was when, you know, you had the TARDIS full-on materialise in front of her and she didn't even blink
0: yeah she's like oh another impossible thing yeah lots of impossible things yeah. this is the message i need to give brilliant it's a nice
1: scene where she's very defensive over tesla's lab when edison's there as well yeah she's like don't touch anything don't
0: <laughs> uh, yeah no she. i mean what what a great character and and it's just testament to, to the writing. I thought the writing was really, really good. And and that's the difference between good writing and brilliant writing, I think, is that you can have that level of character and it gives the actors enough to have that level of character with something to play with where they can, you know, think, oh, well, there's this, you know, like, th- this is the person. And through only a few lines or... Yeah, or things like that it's, I, I just thought I thought the writing this week was was absolutely brilliant can, and um it's, you know and then another line that I quite liked was when the doctor said to um the queen um you're a queen of shreds and patches yeah how mm. brilliant is that mm. you know mm. and
1: you can tell it's fantastically well researched as well like you say the um I didn't realise that the uh, the death rate was a real thing. I thought that was a, a kind of a throwaway gag. Um, but that just adds that much more depth to it that that is something that Tesla was working on. Um, so,
0: yeah. I, clearly I thought, really I thought with those two balls on top, it reminded me of In the Face of Evil, the, the, the Tesh's guns. Ah, yeah. He, he just—I don't—I don't know. It's just like it just like looks a bit like a Tesh gun, or a cross between that and the shield guns from from Underworld. <laughs>
3: I just love the fact it didn't work. I just think yes. okay. <laughs> you've, got, you've got these
2: sort of Graham and Ryan comedy moments where they're like, "Yeah, use the ray and he's like, "Get out!" And this visit, uh-huh. nothing happens. <laughs> I just think. I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that um, just those little things that I'm really enjoying just, just find them funny.
1: Yeah. Why didn't he keep the laser shoes? That's what it made me think. <laughs> they come in handy every week.
2: <laughs> I would imagine they probably got confiscated yeah. after
3: it uh,
0: after got carried away. Stick a shoe on the front of the death Ray that didn't work and then yeah. do, do it that way. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I suppose I only had one more question, which was uh, in what way are they going to, you know, in the next episode remind the audience of the doctor that Galaphae's destroyed. I think they've, they've tried to find a way of just, just hinting, just reminding us that that happened in the first episode. Um, You know, can we go and visit your planet? Uh, You know, have you ever seen a dead planet? Mm. (laughs) Just
1: <laughs> oh, they, did Jadun work for the the Shadow Proclamation? Don't they? So, uh, so they might know what's happened because they're pretty, pretty much got their finger on the pulse. Seems like,
0: well, yeah, they they could let something slip. They mm. mm. well. Is it Neil Stuke um, next next week? Yeah, it is. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. And also, uh, yeah, I, my guilty pleasure is watching Holby City because. Um, no, I, I don't know why um, but the woman in it next I know I know right um, the, the woman next week is also in that she's the CEO and that so it's um, it'll be nice to see her play another role
2: yeah I don't really know much about it other than the Jaduna in it
1: yeah, and it's, yeah it's back on modern day earth isn't it I think that's uh, yeah that's all I know about it as well mm.
2: isn't it nice
0: not knowing
1: yes
2: Yes, I have to say.
1: Yeah, so we haven't left
0: Earth yet. This when, you know, like...
2: Oh, yeah, but, they haven't left uh, Earth this series, have
0: they?
1: Yeah, it's like uh, like series series one. I'm sure they
2: haven't yeah. Do you think that's a, a good thing or, or, or not? Because I know some people have quite strong opinions about whether or not they should be on alien planets.
1: Um, I like a good mixture, uh, it it makes the universe seem quite small Um, and given that you've got, the TARDIS can go anywhere Um, and obviously there's budgetary reasons for for spending a lot of time on Earth but um, I I think it gives it a bigger scale and scope if you you see some alien worlds as well
0: Yeah, I completely agree and considering that they're now regularly filming in places like South Africa and stuff I'm sure that, you know Alien landscapes. Come on, it's Doctor Who. Find
2: a quarry. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, won't cause, mind. <laughs> yeah, because this episode was filmed in um, was it Bulgaria? Yeah, it was. Yeah, ah,
3: right. really?
2: Yeah, the the New York City set was built in Bulgaria. So they they've been all over the world for for this series so far.
0: Yeah yeah well you never know later on in the series we may get a good alien planet yeah then we'll be saying oh can we have more earthbates
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's no pleasing fans is it?
2: <laughs> absolutely not
1: well thank you very much guys uh it's been a pleasure as
2: always thank you yeah and thank you
1: where can our listeners find you online
2: at Uncle
0: Beard, 1978 on Twitter. And
2: at chickster 2009 also on Twitter.
1: That's great. I thank you very much for listening at home and goodbye.
2: Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>